Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 45 of the We Are Speaking podcast. During each weekly 30-minute episode, we address some of our favorite topics, including American history and culture, government, education, and politics from a black perspective. We are very glad you are joining us today. The podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. We offer branding and marketing services, including online training and small group coaching to independent writers and creative and solo professionals. You can find out more at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. As a free or paid subscriber to the We Are Speaking publication, you can access the podcast episodes through the website or on your favorite podcast player. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. My name is Pamela Hilliard Owens, and I am one of the co-hosts of We Are Speaking in partnership with my husband and business partner, Keith Owens, who also wrote and performed the intro and outro music for the podcast. And speaking of Keith, here he is. Hi, Keith. Hey, good to be here once again. Well... So much has gone on this past week. That just is, like the week before. Just like the week before. <laughs> that it's really hard to condense it all in one 30-minute podcast. So we're going to give you some highlights of what's, what's going on. And we're going to talk about starting with what happened in Tennessee and how the two brothers, both Justins, were reinstated to their posts after they were unceremoniously kicked out, expelled from the Tennessee Tennessee House the very next week on Monday and on Wednesday. This week, they were both uh, reinstated by the councils of their respective jurisdictions, their respective districts. And on Monday, Justin Jones was reinstated. It was unanimous with all of the Democrats, bec- and, and but they had said that they were going to reinstate him. There was no question on that. And he represents uh, Nashville. And on Wednesday, Justin Pearson was reinstated. And at first there was kind of question, number one, because some of the Republicans elsewhere in Tennessee threatened, threatened to uh, withhold some uh, like millions of dollars in in funds for for different projects if they reinstated, if, if Justin Pearson, and he goes by Justin J. Pearson, by the way, was reinstated. But on Wednesday, which was their regular meeting day or regular meeting time, whatever, all he needed was the yeah, majority of the, of the people. And there are nine Democrats, and I can't remember how many Republicans were on the, on the council, but none of the Republicans showed up for the meeting. Two of the Democrats were out of town. They were just out of town anyway. And so there were seven Democrats left. He walked in. They immediately by unanimous vote, voted him back into his district. It took like 30 seconds. And then they went on to the rest of the agenda on their meeting. They did that first. And the important thing to remember is that both of these young men were elected by, by the constituents in their district. And so they, are, they were elected to those posts. Now they're going to have to go through, at the state's expense, special elections in a couple of weeks. And meanwhile, uh, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut has started a fundraiser for both of them to help pay for what, what they're going to have to go through for the special election. He started it on Thursday night last, uh, last week when uh, both of them had been expelled. And in 24 hours, it had raised almost a half a million dollars. 
I haven't checked lately, but I will put the link in the show notes so that you can, it's, it's called uh, Act Blue, which is a Democratic fundraising arm. And you can, you can click that and you can donate. And it goes to both of the brothers for their re-election, their special election campaign. But what happened in Tennessee is a complete overreach, government overreach. If they, first of all, the, the, the two, well, actually the three, it's called the Tennessee Three, Justin Jones, Justin J. Pearson, and Gloria Johnson, all three of them are elected representatives to the Tennessee House, and, and one of their main reasons is, is gun violence. Because if you remember, the week before they were expelled was the uh, massacre at the Covenant Christian School. And so their constituents, and they particularly, are trying to get gun control changes in the Tennessee legislature. And so on that Thursday that they were expelled, no, on, on the day, on, no, the Thursday after the, after the massacre, the massacre was on Monday. On Thursday, there were thousands of people outside and a few people in the gallery, and the Tennessee House Speaker would not bring up anything about gun about gun legislation, nothing. This was just a few days after the, the, the massacre. And so the, the, the Tennessee Three went down to the well at recess because the House Speaker recessed them. So now there was hardly anybody there, but there were people in the gallery. And, and one of them took a, a bullhorn and said, trying to demand that the House do something. And so because they took a bullhorn down to the well, out of order, during a recess, okay, it wasn't even the actual meeting, there was a call for for all three of them to be expelled, not censured, not you know a spanking on the hand, to be expelled. And so Gloria Johnson, the white woman, saved was saved from being expelled by one vote, and they expelled the two the two black men. And she herself said, "You want to know why I'm still here and they're not? It is because of the color of our skin." And so all through this, the week between the expulsion, not even a week for some of them, the expulsion of both of them being reinstated, they all uh, stuck together, all three of them. And uh, they marched for Justin J. Pearson. They started out at the Lorraine Motel, which is now a historical site. That is where Martin Luther King was assassinated. They walked, I think it was a mile from there to the State House. There were thousands of people behind them. And like I said, he uh, when he got there, he uh, was was uh, voted in automatically. Then they went to the Tennessee State House, and he walked in. And when he walked in with Justin Jones and Gloria Johnson, they walked in arm in arm. The old white men literally turned their backs to them, turned to their backs to them. But the problem is, is that now so much. First of all, nobody outside of Tennessee had even heard of all three of them. Uh, they 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 were activists in Tennessee for a long time. But outside of Tennessee and maybe some people in Washington, nobody had ever heard of them before. Now they are world-renowned. And the spotlight has been put on Tennessee and how racist they are. Remember, there's a town in Tennessee, which was the, the start of the Ku Klux, Klux Klan. Klan and so what happened was the, when, when Justin J. Pearson was reinstated, that threat went away. Because for whatever reason. But the fact that they would even threaten to withhold funds for different projects... In Memphis, because of reinstating someone who was already elected, was was ludicrous. So one of the justins, and we were trying to find the the uh, correct quote, but we weren't able to find it. One of the justins, and I think it was Justin Jones, was saying, "This is the start of a new Reconstruction," and that's very important to remember because 
while the Republicans nationwide are getting more and more and more extreme, we, we have to remember they are in the minority. And the only reason they can get something done is because of their gerrymandering efforts. These people, those people in Tennessee, and a lot of the Republicans nationwide, the, the districts are so gerrymandered, they don't have to worry about um, pleasing anybody because they know they're going, it's not going to affect their election. We are the majority. Democrats, left-leaning independents, center-right, center-left and just center people, we are the majority over these extremists nationwide and, and in the different state houses and in the Congress. So what we need to do right now, and I'm going to come to, that, come to this point again a little bit later, what we have to do right now is to remember we're in the, in the majority and now a year and a half before the, the election in 2024, work hard to overcome the, the, the uh, voter suppression tactics that our Republicans are throwing because that's the only way they can win and fight the gerrymandering. So, Keith, what else was did you find on that? Well, uh, yeah, because we're, we're, t- we're talking about um, specifically the focus on, you said it was John, Justin Jones, we think? I believe it was Justin Jones, Jones who said that. Way yes. to comment about the new Reconstruction. And it's important because, what first of all, just in terms of what Reconstruction was, and this and um, this was, for those, who, for those who don't follow history, we're historical nuts, but Reconstruction was the period between 1865 and 1877, that which followed the Civil War. Right. And um, President Lincoln at the time put in what was basically helped to, for that short period, try to kind of reestablish some of the balance, provide more quality for right. African Americans, right. right. and also take power away from the, from the Southern states. Right. You know, and for a while, many of those who were in favor of, of the South, mm-hmm. who tried to portray that as a time when they were p- pushing black superiority over the South, but they began to realize that was not the case at all. It was one. Of the, it was a rare time when there, were, there was black representation in the mm-hmm. in the Senate mm-hmm. in the House, mm-hmm. and recognizing the fact that just because you say you're no longer a slave, right. that does if you have no political power, if right. you have nothing, if you don't own anything, then it, do, it doesn't help. Right. And so, and it's very important to remember talking about Abraham Lincoln. He really, when you really look into his his history and his legacy, he kind of thought that blacks were inferior. He did. He thought that blacks were inferior, but on the other hand, they're here. We're here. They're here now, and he spoke not with the. Whenever he gave speeches, and I get this from mm-hmm. Professor Heather Cox Richardson. Mm-hmm. You need to follow her letters from an American on Substack. She is excellent, but she she reminded us. That Abraham Lincoln, especially in the Gettysburg Address, he always referenced not so much the Constitution, but the Declaration of Independence. And so it says all men are equal. Of course, it was just men in those days. And that's what the whites were fighting against. No, no, we aren't going to make ourselves, them equal to us. And that was the whole point. Right, exactly, exactly. And and so, and also, he was a product of his time. Right. And so he definitely, which is not an excuse, but he still was. But so he did view African Americans as inferior. But he also realized that if you begin to pursue legal angle where right. you consider somebody less than human, that infects the entire country. Exactly. And exactly. He, said this, he said this is something that will come back <coughs> and will cause problems throughout the throughout the nation. Right, and this right. is something that cannot happen. Unfortunately, after President Lincoln was assassinated, the Andrew Johnson succeeded him, who was a racist. You know, totally so, racist. Co- and, and so, so that's pretty pretty much what's the spell of death now for Reconstruction. But one thing I want to point out, because there's an excellent article uh, published on April 12th in the Philadelphia Inquirer by a guy named Rand Miller, 
I'm going to read the first few paragraphs, but what he talks about is that the two, the two Justins, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, were not the first African Americans expelled. Right. And that it goes back to... In the re- Tennessee legislature. Tennessee legislature, right. Actually, this goes back to Reconstruction when this happened. And what he says here, he says, Philadelphia is a bedrock of black history. For instance, the city is the birthplace of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the first independent denomination established by black people. One of the AME Church's famed leaders was the Reverend Henry McNeil Turner, who was ordained a minister a few short years prior to the Civil War. Turner was a believer in the fight for freedom posed by the Civil War. Not only did he advocate for the use of black soldiers during the war, but he was appointed chaplain for the Union Army by President Abraham Lincoln, ensuring black soldiers' salaries reached their families and teaching them how to read. After the Civil War came the Reconstruction Era, and Turner became involved in politics as a Republican in the state of Georgia. This wasn't the Republican Party of the day, and that's important to take note. Right, remember um, this. It's, it's, in, it's in, the 18, in the 1860s, Republicans were the anti-slavery party, and Turner's political ideology more closely aligned with the Reverend Raphael Warnock than the Reverend Jerry Falwell. <laughs> Southern Democrats of this era were the forerunners of the Southern Democrats of this era were the forerunners of the current Republican Party. In July 1868, Turner was elected to the Georgia State Legislature, along with more than two dozen, two dozen other black representatives. These were some of the first Reconstruction-era black elected officials in the former Confederacy, the first to represent the interests of black constituents. However, less than two months later, Georgia Democrats, who held the majority of seats, expelled Turner and all the other black members. In September 1868, Turner told the Georgia legislature, and pay attention because this is excellent, because this is so pertinent to today. Uh, Reverend McDeal Turner said, You may expel us, gentlemen, but I firmly believe that you will someday repent it. The black man cannot protect the country if the country doesn't protect him. And if tomorrow a war should arise, I would not raise a musket to defend the country where my manhood is denied. You may think you are doing yourselves honor by expelling us from this house, but when we go... We will light a torch of truth that will never be extinguished. When you expel us, you make us forever your political foes. I mean, that sounds like Malcolm X. Right, right, exactly. You know, a hundred years before Malcolm mm-hmm. X. Well, first of all, Justin Jones was right. originally from California. He came to Tennessee to go to historical black um, university, Fisk University. That's how he got to Tennessee. Right. Justin J. Pearson attended Howard University. Right. And so at these historically black colleges and universities, this is where they, I'm sure this is where they learned all of these, all of these things they, they, they learned and they continue to study black history and black people to em, em, emulate like Reverend, like Martin Luther King and like Malcolm X and like other black um, activists all the way from the, from the 18th and 19th and 20th centuries. And you can tell in the way that they speak and they are so sure of themselves I hate to use the term articulate because that's something, oh, these black people are so articulate. But they are articulate. As a matter of fact, they are past articulate. They know exactly what they're talking about. They never flounder on what they're saying. Even when, you're, when, even when a reporter goes and puts a mic in their face, when they're walking, they know exactly what to say. They do not trip up and they are certain about what, what should come. And just like this incident in the 1800s, this incident with Tennessee has, again, awakened America, the, the Americans that have since anyway, to what white racist white America and the MAGA movement are trying to do. 
And they, that's exactly what the Justins said. And I call them the Justins. <laughs> that's exactly what the Justins said. You cannot erase us. You can try, but we will come back stronger. I did a post about that <laughs> from uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who said, if you, if, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you can ever imagine. Star Wars, remember that? Right, well, Star, Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right, so the people know. Right, from Star Wars. And uh, that's exactly what happened. They expelled them, and now they are stronger. And Gloria Johnson, they are stronger than... They, you know, than, than anyone, including them, ever imagined. Just like they said back in 1800. He, told, he warned them exactly, then. Exactly, what exactly, exactly, exactly. So we want to keep an eye on what's going on in the Tennessee legislature and what's going on in state legislatures all over the country. Right, because it's not just Tennessee. It's not just Tennessee. So we're going to continue to talk about this both in our regular weekly posts on in different topics and on the podcast. And just before we, we, we make a quick switch of topics, a quick word from our sponsor. The podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community Branding and Marketing Academy. And we offer, we work with independent authors and creative and solo professionals excuse me, on branding and marketing. And we offer online training, small group coaching, and one-on-one coaching. And you can find out more at our website, Three one uh, team Owens three one three gcc dot com and now back to our podcast because other things that happened this week all had to do with Republicans and their um, uh, den- denial of democratic principles and the and the and the and, and the law and some of them are actual traitors. Before we go to Clarence Thomas. A young man, 21 years old. First of all, they, they, the Department of Defense and, the, and everybody noticed that there were some classified documents going out in the Internet all over the world. They finally, due to the, <clears throat> speaking of, of uh, award-winning journalists like Keith, due to articles from, uh, from an independent newspaper called ProPublica, they did the Clarence Thomas, but they also did w- with this young man after they, they, they kind of narrowed it down, and they finally on Thursday arrested this 21-year-old member of the uh, U.S. National Guard. I believe it's the yes, National, National Guard. Guard yeah. And he's an active member, and he also had uh, security clearance. And so he, was, so he joined this Discord, which is a group chat mm-hmm. kind of app, with other people around his age. And he was sharing with these people that maybe there are only twenty or thirty people. Not, but first of all, they on on this chat room from Discord. They liked guns, they liked war, and they liked white supremacy. And they liked white supremacy. <laughs> they were they, there were plenty of racist and anti-Semitic tropes on in their chats. Mm-hmm. But he also thought it would make him look important if he shared these confidential documents that he found online on his work computer. And he thought, okay, I'm just going to share this with my friends, and I'm going to, it's going to make me look really important. Well, when you share something on the internet, you're not just sharing it with 20 or 30 people. It goes all out, and it went all over the world. And we're try- we, when I say we, I mean the American government is trying to see how much it affected, especially our allies. And so, but this is classified documents that he put out without um, authorization all over the internet. And so they finally, <laughs> the FBI was able to, in a couple of days, with the help of a lot of other people, to find out who it was, and they went to his house and arrested him. Now, when he became a member of the United States National Guard, just like other people who worked for the government, he swore to uphold the Constitution. 
and letting out these confidential documents that he did not have authorization to leak to the press, that is an act of treason. Okay. And I and just right, I want to point out as one of the commentators the other night pointed out is who was kind of comically but also very true said, "Who else would take classified documents to impress their friends?" That's exactly. Who's this is the president of the United States did virtually the same thing. And took that, these mm-hmm. took these documents home with him, lied about them being there, and then was basically trusting his friends with what right, he knew. Right. And so it's the same thing. It's the it's exact treason. same thing, which which brings me to what our not-so-favorite congresswoman, who was on the Homeland Security Committee in the, con- in, the, in the United States House of Representatives, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she immediately came to his defense. Now, this young man has committed a treasonous act. She came to his defense, and she said this, because he is white, male, straight, Christian, that means the Biden regime, those were her words, do, he's an enemy of the Biden regime. And they should let him go, let him go and not charge him, et cetera, et cetera. And they're doing that because they know that Trump did the exact same thing. I was thing. about to say that ha- they have to run to us. <laughs> and that's what's happening to the, real quick, I know we have to move on, but that's what's really happening now to the whole Republican Party and brand. They have attached themselves so closely to far-right positions. Mm-hmm. And they've had several outs, several right. chances where they could have abandoned the ship and gone the right way. But now, they're tethered like an anchor. Right. And, they're j- and, and we're just watching as the ship is just going underwater because right. of things like this. Because now they have to defend. Marjorie Taylor Greene, this is what she really believes. Right. The other ones, they, they say one thing behind and they come out and pretend. I don't think this one's pretending. She's an absolute idiot. But the, but the point is that they are now attached to these positions. Right. And right. they have to defend these things. The Republican Party now has to openly defend white supremacy nationalism because that's And traitors. Thing. And traitors. And because, because Taylor Greene is also some of, the, some of the group that defends the January 6th insurrectionists. They actually put them on a pedestal they they're called political prisoners and all of that which is a bunch of baloney and they and they tried to oh that's what happened in tennessee one of the house members in tennessee actually tried to equate what the tennessee three did to the january 6th insurrectionists and said it was the same thing of course it wasn't but we have to remember oh oh and liz cheney and now we have to call her former representative liz cheney because she lost her seat because she did not become a MAGA Republican, even though she's very, very, very conservative. She said yesterday that Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's on the Homeland Security Committee, should lose her security clearance. And so we're going to see that. But in the last few minutes that we have left, Keith, talk about what's going on with Clarence (laughs) Thomas. It's so, well, I started to say it's so funny, but it's really not. It's very dangerous. Uh, Very dangerous because Clarence Thomas has... What's been exposed is he has a very wealthy billionaire white friend uh, who's that. Can you remember his name? Uh, Harlan Harlan ha- Crow. Harlan, yeah, right. Harlan Crow, I think. Harlan Crow. That's it. Harlan mm-hmm. Crow. And this man has been get, providing Justice Thomas with millions of dollars worth of vacations. Mm-hmm. One of these vacations was reportedly worth about $500,000, mm-hmm. and he's had a number of them. And also on a, you know, exp- huge, expensive yacht trips, boat trips, going to his private resort, etc. Year for years. After, for years. And this is a man who who recorded a commercial of him saying how much he likes Walmart parking lots and the regular people. Yeah, you're talking about uh, Ch- Clarence Thomas. Clarence, Clarence Thomas. I'm sorry, right. Clarence Thomas. And the question raised then was, first of all, you're a justice, you're elected for life. Why did you even feel the need? He must have felt some kind of pressure because you, you don't need to defend yourself. You're not doing, why do you just suddenly come out with this ad? Right. But then come to find out, of course, that's not true. 
And then he tried to claim once that he got exposed that this man was a, you know, a long-time dear friend. The man was a dear friend once Justice Thomas got elected to the court. Right. The he man, never he never heard of him before. The man that. didn't know his name. Right. Before. And then he gets to court. All of a sudden, he's their, their buddy, buddy, and pal, and all of his dear friend. This is um, also this man, the man, Harvard. Harlan um, Crow. Harlan Crow. He, he himself has not put his business. I'm mean, business that pregnant him in front of the court, but his interests, he right. stuff that he has supported. He's he's talked tightly aligned with the Federalist Society. Or anything that involves right wing laws, mm-hmm. right wing justice, he promotes, puts his money behind. All of those things that come before the court that he puts money behind, he puts that up before the court. Right. And and of course, we notice how Justice Thomas has ruled on these kind of things. But so there's that. Clarence Thomas has been on the court for thirty years. Mm-hmm. He's been friends with Harlan Crow for twenty five years. Right. So. He tries to say that these expensive vacations, you know, is, is personal hospitality on his yacht, going to Indonesia, on his private plane, right. going to his resorts every summer. That he, he's trying to equate that with going to your good friend's house for coffee. And well, think of it, he, yeah, he know he knows that's not true. Right. That's the thing. I mean, because he was accepting gifts from Harlan Crow back in like almost 2004. Right. Up to 2004, the Los Angeles Times, I believe, I believe it was, exposed that. So once that was exposed, he didn't stop. He just stopped reporting. Right, exactly. And, and so, and then now that it comes up, he says, "Well, I was advised by whom." He, he, he doesn't say he by whom. He never said who. He said he, by he, some, he, some friends so, and colleagues. From some friends and colleagues, he was advised by friends and colleagues that that this was this kind of thing was not illegal. Right. And I'm saying, I said, you've been on the. Why did you need advice? You're a Supreme Court justice, the highest court in the land. You've been on there for 30 years, and you need to get advice on on whether or not it's illegal, on whether or not it's it's, it's inadvisable to accept a $500,000 trip multiple times. Right, exactly. I mean, some things are just common sense. Right, You right, don't need right. to advise. Again, I go back to the video. Why do you feel the need to tape a video saying you're just one of the average regular people who likes to go to Walmart parking lots while you're doing this? Why do you stop reporting right. after it's been exposed? Instead of stop the activity. Right. Stop. And that's bad enough. But what came out on Thursday is even worse. Because it has oh, come out on probably, Thursday right. that Harlan Crow bought property for, for Thomas and his family. He bought a house for his mother. He bought a house for his late brother. And we and the mother is still living in the house. Mm-hmm. That means that the the property that Harlan Crow bought actually belongs to Clarence Thomas. Right. And then is his is his mother paying Harlan Crow rent on the house? We don't we don't know any of that. But that is explicitly illegal. It says in there that justices cannot accept real estate transactions for more than $1,000, which doesn't buy you much. But that's that's the point. That's explicitly in the law. So when this came out, it's gone from kind of shady, shady, fuzzy personal hospitality to actual explicit. And that's that's really important. And it's really funny because uh, Joy Ann Reed said, that usually when people, young, young people say, when I make it and I have enough money, the first thing I'm going to do is buy my mama a house. Now, Justice Thomas has been making the equivalent of a quarter of a million dollars salary paid for by our taxes for 30 years. And he can't afford to buy his mama a house. Right, and that's the whole point. I mean, he can't, he can't afford to buy his mother a house. But 
again getting back to the legal part mm-hmm. because like when, a lot of times when we hear things like this come up but then we hear that it's an ethical violation mm-hmm. and that you just kind of sigh because what mm-hmm. does that mean right I mean, it's just like you're going to slap them on the hand they don't have any they don't have any ordinances in place there's nothing happening. Not, nothing from the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court they don't have their own so what if it's an ethical violation it's just a bad boy mm-hmm. but when it comes up to something that's illegal mm-hmm. now that and that's why you say we're saying that's what's important <clears throat> because now this is no longer uh, inadvisable bad look this is illegal. Right, right, I mean, You right. cannot do this. So we have a Supreme, so the consequences of this should be right. pretty firm. Right. But the, and, and we have to we have to close. But what I want to say is that if there have been calls for Justice Thomas to resign, good luck with that. Okay. And that's not gonna happen. And for or, or you know, Supreme Court justices can be impeached just like presidents and vice presidents can be impeached. That's not gonna happen because the impeachment process starts in the House. So you know Kevin McCarthy's not gonna bring any Articles of impeachment against Clarence Thomas. So the only thing that we can do is make sure that we, in 2024, we win back the presidency. I mean, we yeah, we can hold on to the presidency, expand our majority in the Senate, and regain the House. That's the only way we can get these things done. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, a year and a half before the 2024 elections, this is what we need to concentrate on. Because we can call for his resignation all we want. We can call for his impeachment all we want. But, but it's nothing. not going to happen. Right. Right. But we do need to keep it in the, in the, in the consciousness of the public. Because right. even Chief Justice um, John Roberts is not going to do anything. Right. He, talks, he cries and talks about the integrity of the court. The integrity of the court is in the dumpster these right. days. So we're going to revisit this as the uh, issues um, unfold. But for right now, look at your personal voting place and see how, see how that's going. Make sure that you're still on the rolls and get as many people that you know, your family and friends all over the country to do the same because we have to do a massive change in 2024. Absolutely. And not only at the presidential level, but at the congressional level and especially at the state level. So keep in mind that and keep checking and we will keep reminding you yep. and we'll see you. We'll, we'll be back next week. Yep.